0: doing? Let me pray. And as I begin the message, I ask that you not move around. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to those that are here, as God would direct our attention to them. And uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your love, your goodness. And Lord, we do pray that you speak to our hearts. Thank you for just uh, the music and the words and the encouragement regarding our need of you, Lord, to be saved. We pray, Lord, you will speak to the hearts of those who do not know you that are here tonight. And, Lord, for us as Christians, that we be encouraged and warned by you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you turn to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. is the proclamation the proposition of the whole book. Paul says... There, what he's going to say from different angles all the way through the book of Romans. Book of Romans is just all about salvation. Our God desires to save men and how he has saved men. And so Paul's declaration about the gospel of Christ is characterized by three things here. Let me read the text. 16 and 17 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel here, first of all, notice, is the proclamation about the gospel. Then he's going to tell us the definition of the gospel, and then he tells us the explanation of the gospel, and that's what he does. He just lays it out at the beginning. Listen to the proclamation about the gospel, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul declared his personal commitment to the gospel. I don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not. Maybe you've heard about, you know, them Christians and Jesus freaks or whatever, weirdos, okay? But Paul was not ashamed. And you know the word ashamed. It means that you're embarrassed for what you've done, for who you are, or what you believe. It holds you back from being courageous. Paul was not embarrassed that he didn't feel the shame of this gospel. And he identifies himself with the gospel. Christians have always paid a price through the history of man. They've died for their faith. Persecution has never hurt the church. The blood of the saints is the seed of the church. He didn't think the gospel inferior to the knowledge of his world. Now today, a man thinks he's arrived and he says, well, you know, you're a Christian. You've got to be an idiot to believe that God created the world six days. Really? Let me propose to you, you've got to be an idiot to believe that you evolved from ooze and out of nothing or from someone swinging on a tree. Okay? That's not faith, that's foolishness. Paul was not ashamed compared to all the pagan beliefs that were in his day. The psychologies that were in his day. He did not think that the gospel lacked anything. Now today you will hear the inferior aspect of being a Christian and the gospel. But the truth of the matter is the gospel has more power and does more for the good of man than any philosophy has ever been presented to man. It is when man thinks he's arrived and he gets puffed up that he thinks he is God and he destroys his life. thinks he can do what he wants, say what he wants because he's not accountable to nobody. And so people end up doing dumb things, making bad choices, bringing consequences to their life. That they can't handle or they just become so responsible that they don't care. They just use people. They live destructive lives. Because they believe that they're the God. It's all about them. The Apostle Paul declared the gospel was not religion when he said this. No rules, regulations, ceremony. All those things religions give you to do. So you go through rituals, you do certain things to make you feel yourself better. And then, of course, when you get in trouble, you call upon whatever God it is that you serve, right? And then when you think you're out of the jam, then you put them back on the shelf until the next time you're in trouble. That's how you know you're religious. Now, some people say, well, I don't believe in all that. I'm I'm an agnostic. Oh, really? So you're ignorant, huh? That's what the word means. Atheist means Theo is God. A is negative. Any A before a Greek word, it's negative. Atheist, no God. An agnostic means you're just ignorant. So let me inform you: there is a God who died for you. Now you're not ignorant. Now you're responsible. It's real simple. Paul understood that the gospel is a revelation of God that man is lost and that he loves man and that he sent his son to die in our place so that the wrath of God wouldn't have to fall upon us. By all rights, God has the right to send us to hell because sin has separated us from God. The Apostle Paul declared the person of Christ. The title is Messiah. He's the anointed of God. He's the God-man. He's not only the subject of the gospel, but he is the content of the gospel, Jesus Christ. Paul identified the gospel in his opening salutation in chapter 1, verse 1. He calls the gospel of God the Father. Paul said it was promised by the prophets of old, from the Old Testament. He said it concerned God's Son, Jesus Christ the Lord, the God-man. Who rose from the dead. Now. I know you're young right now. And you don't. You think die, your death is long far away. But. Young people die all the time. And if you're going to die. And you know you will one day. Whether when you're young or old. Then you should make sure you talk to someone who's come back from the dead. Because he's the only one that knows what happens after death. And the only one who has done that is Jesus Christ. Allah didn't rise from the dead. Krishna hasn't risen from the dead. Buddha didn't rise from the dead. So why would you talk and believe in those gods who know nothing about life after death? When their life was terminated by death itself, kind of foolish, huh? It's like going and buying a car from a person that's ripped you off already. You're going to buy a second car from him? Hmm. And this gospel is through the grace of God. Unmerited favor. We can't work for it. He gives it to you if you believe the revelation of God that he loves you, he died for you. That's what faith is all about. But being a Christian is a commitment of your whole life, not just a little department of it or a compartment. You know, like the pig and the chicken, they had a conversation about a commitment to help the farmer in making breakfast. And the chicken said, "Uh, well, I'll provide the eggs. And you can provide the bacon. And the pig hesitated. You see, the chicken would be involved, but the pig would be committed. Okay Too many people who want to be Christians are, are chickens. They don't want to be a committed pig, and by the way, that's what you are. And that's what I am. A sinner. I like the wall on the mire. Okay? We want to talk about man how good he is. Good for what good for nothing for sinning if you think you're good give me five seconds with you I'll show you how bad you are won't take me long we're sinners by nature when someone makes me mad I don't think good thoughts about them I want to punch them in the mouth that's my sin nature okay okay Our parents were sinners. They can only produce sinners. And when you get married, you're going to produce little rotten sinners. And they're going to have the same problems, act the same way, because you are the source of their birth and their mother. The proclamation about the gospel is, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now notice, secondly, the definition of the gospel. He says, here, the apostle... Confidently declare the gospel is the power of God for salvation. For it is the power of God of salvation. The word power, there is the dynamic power of God. It's divine. It's not human power at all. Salvation. It means to rescue, to deliver. Man is lost. Man is lost in sin. As you were growing up, your mom and dad never, never had to sit you down at one point when you were four or five years old. And they said, okay, you know... I think you're old enough now. I've got to teach you how to lie. I've got to teach you how to steal. I've got to teach you how to whine. You did all that on your own. What your parents have to teach you is not to lie, not to steal, not to whine. The power of the gospel is the only thing that can change my heart. To change my lifestyle. To change my thinking. The power of the gospel. The apostle Paul confidently noted. Declared the gospel is for everyone who believes. Every person. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. All, all of us You Houston. I sin. We fall short. Even as Christians. Now I don't live the way I used to. But I fail. So I have to ask God to forgive me. To cleanse me. But being born again. I don't live the way I used to. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. You might be into alcohol. You might be into drugs. You might be into sex. Whatever it is. You you might be into Dr. Pepper. Whatever it is. Whatever holds you bondage. But you can't break that. You say you can't. But you don't. But you say if I wanted to I would. But you won't. And the more you do it. The more you're enslaved the more it has you by the nose. And you have the pressure from your friends and pressure from the world and pressure from within your own sin nature. And so only, you don't only keep on doing what you're doing, but you keep getting worse at it. You remember the first time you stole a candy bar? It was hard. Man, your heart was going boom, 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 boom. But then after the 10th time, you were probably just walking in. The guy who goes, hey, what are you doing? You go, what, man? It's just cool. It didn't bother you anymore. You calloused your conscience. You ever get a scar and cut yourself? In that scar, you lose sensation. You can't feel. That's what you teach your conscience every time you do something. You put a scar in it. It doesn't bother you anymore. The Holy Spirit, by the gospel, will renew your conscience to understand right from wrong. Now, the majority of you young people have been taught in school that there's no right and wrong. They've, they've, they've destroyed objective reasoning to subjective reasoning. You fill in the blank. Next time your teacher t- teaches you that, I want you to go out front to their desk and just start throwing her papers all around or his papers all around. <laughs> then when the teacher says, what are you doing? He says, oh, nothing. I just felt like doing it. Well, that's wrong. No, no, there's no right. There's no wrong. Let's see if they like their philosophy, Okay. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They don't believe it. They believe it for you. But they don't believe it for them. Very convenient. They're not educators. They're indoctrinators. Propaganda. To destroy you and your life. To not know that there is right and wrong. But you began knowing you're right and wrong. Who put that conscience there? It was God. But you've calloused it, you've sinned against it. Now it doesn't bother you. Everyone who believes, all, I don't care who you are, your race, your color, doesn't matter. The common denominator is we're sinners in need of salvation. The condition is a personal belief in the gospel message that God is able to save man through repentance. Faith. Faith is the revelation of God. It's not a gut feeling. It's not a sensation. It's that I believe God's revelation where God says, You, Xavier, you're a sinner. You're lost. My wrath is upon you. But I've crucified my son and poured my wrath out upon him. He took your place. He died in your place and He rose from the dead. And if you will believe what I just said, I can forgive you of your sin. I can change your heart. And I can make you a new creature. All your sins will be buried in the deepest ocean. As far as the east and the west and never mentioned again. Only God can promise that. Only God can do that. The gospel... Hereby, the apostle Paul confidently declared that the gospel is for the Jew first and then the Greek. The Jew first in time in, in priority of time, he was sent to his own, the Jew. It doesn't mean that we preach to the Jew first today and then everybody else. But when Jesus came, he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was sent to the Jew. He was Jewish. He was Messiah promised to the Jews of all the Old Testament. But they rejected Jesus Jesus wept over Jerusalem and he gave up Jerusalem and the Jew because they rejected the Messiah. So the Gentile comes next. Doesn't mean we don't preach to Jews, but there's no priority of importance. It was a priority of time. And once they gave up their Messiah and Jesus pronounced judgment over them, we preach the gospel to anyone, everyone. Nobody's favored because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the proclamation of the Gentiles was in fulfillment of the promise to Abraham way back in Genesis 12. And you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 3 of Genesis 12. The Gentiles were always part of God's plan. Not plan B because the Jews failed. No. God knew it all along. Luther said that John 3.16 is the heart of the Bible. Listen to how he put it. God, the greatest lover. So loved the greatest degree. The world, the greatest number. That he gave, the greatest act. His only begotten Son, the greatest gift. That whosoever, the greatest invitation, believeth, the greatest simplicity. In him, the greatest person, should not perish, the greatest deliverance, but the greatest difference. Have, the greatest certainty. Everlasting life, the greatest possession. His motivation? He loves you. He died for you. The definition of the gospel is, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes the Jew first then to the Gentile. I presume you qualify. Notice lastly in verse 17, the explanation of the gospel. The apostle Paul declared the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. For it is the righteousness of God, it's, it's revealed. And the word righteousness is an important word in the New Testament. It appears ninety-two times in the New Testament. It means that which is right in standing with God. God is so holy that man is sinful, and he can't stand before God. So there must be a transition. There must be a justification from being a sinner to being a saint. There's only two types of people in the world: saints and ains. Okay, if you're saved, you're a saint. Not that you're perfect or sinless. If you're not saved, you're inane. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, then you can do something about it. I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight. You can put an S on it. And you can become a saint by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ that He died for your sins as He gives you that invitation. The righteousness that is of God provides the effective payment for your sin. As God's wrath was poured out on His Son. Remember Jesus from the cross said, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. The next verse down tells you why. Jesus said, because you're holy. God is the epitome of holiness. We're the epitome of sinfulness. And He could not look upon His Son because He, who had no sin, knew no sin, committed no sin, became sin for me. That I might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Wow. That's an incredible love. The only way I can be made righteous. To trust the atoning work. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the payment of my sin. The Apostle Paul declared the gospel was received by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11. 1. It sends me back to the revelation of God. I believe God's word, the message of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10.17. When the gospel is proclaimed, then you're hearing, you're listening. The Holy Spirit is convicting you, bringing light to your understanding of the gospel. your need of salvation. The apostle Paul declared the gospel of faith is nothing new. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. He's quoting Habakkuk two four. As he's waiting upon God because he's judging Israel with a more wicked nation, Babylon, he can't believe what God is doing. And he waits upon his rampart, upon his, his vineyard tower to wait upon God. And God reveals to him. And he believes God because he knows he was wrong because God is holy. And God was bringing judgment on His people because they had sinned against God. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so, the gospel is exactly what you have heard tonight. That God became man. He walked in this earth for 33 and a half years with the whole purpose of dying on the cross for you to make the payment of your sin He was separated from the Father in a way that we don't understand. He descended to the lowest parts of hell. He declared the conquest over death. He scooped up all those who died in faith. And He led captivity captive and took them to heaven. And now the proclamation of the gospel is to the lost. And you are lost if you don't know Jesus Christ. And if you die in your sin, you will perish. And you will never, ever see God physical death the separation of your spirit for all eternity there is no second chance after you die you're saved before you die there's no way you're going to get into mammoth on high season unless you make reservations if you don't make your reservation in heaven now and you die you will end up in hell there's no nice way to say that you just go to hell But you don't have to. You can change that tonight. By believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. That he loves you. He died for your sins. And that he gives you salvation by grace through faith. That not of yourself. It's a gift of God. You're never too young. And you're never too old. But it must be before you die. And if you think, well, right now I don't have time. Maybe tomorrow. You're going to be here tomorrow? Can I have that in writing? Are you sure? I don't think you can guarantee that. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow's promise to no man. Lord, thank you for your grace and love. Your goodness. I pray for every person here. Lord, your hand be upon them. And Lord, you will speak to their heart of your grace and love. And how you want to save them and forgive them, Lord. So, Father, I lift them to you. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ that I just preached, then you can make a decision for your eternity. You determine where you're going to spend eternity. Not your mom. Not your dad, not your pastor, not anyone else, but you. If you want to be born again, you want to be forgiven for your sins, just slip your hand up and slip it down. Then we're going to say a prayer. God knows who you are, and he'll save you right where you sit. This is between you and the Lord, no one else. And he will change you and transform you. As you look to Him and you trust Him. If you want to be born again, I'm going to say this prayer. He always requires a prayer of repentance. Repentance means a change of mind, a turn around, a bow face. Did you agree with God with what I've shared? So if you want to be born again right now, you can repeat this prayer right where you sit and by grace through faith He's going to save you, forgive you. And give to you eternal life. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior. And my Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.